NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra. All dirt, all rodeo, all year. next morning i woke up and my calf on my left leg was swelled up dang near like a basketball it was big i called my dad i'm like hey you know we probably ought to go to the hospital i said there's something wrong with my leg he goes ah we'll come home tomorrow we'll work you all day you can work the soreness out of it and we'll go in on monday so he had me dig the cattle guards out with the shovel you know like i worked worked all day and every five ten minutes i'd be short of breath and just had to sit down we go in there and that doctor goes, looks at it and he's like, he says, I don't know a lot, but he says, I'm going to send you for an ultrasound. This looks like a blood clot. NFR Extra, episode 92. Everyone in the rodeo industry saw Joe Frost's success coming as he climbed the bull riding ladder with each eight-second ride. What we didn't see coming was an early retirement at the age of 28 for the Randlett, Utah native son. But you won't hear Joe complain about it. How many guys, you look at Tiger Woods that broke his foot, right? Yeah. And like, he's not going to golf for days and it's golfing. And you got guys that break a foot and they they figure out a way to get a boot on and still ride. But that's also why by the time they're 40, they're they're done. They can't walk. They can't get out of bed. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I'm just fascinated by the rodeo athlete, man. I mean, just... I don't know. It just it, it blows my mind what these guys are capable of doing. But yeah, I think the ability to take care of yourself, man, and prolong your career, get paid, right? Enjoy our conversation with Joe Frost. Stay tuned to the end for Last Call with Steve and his good buddy, NFR announcer, Andy Seiler. And up next, Rylan's Bull with the Rodeo News of the Week. This is Brylan's Bull, the Rodeo News of the Week. One of the most significant casino projects ever on the Las Vegas Strip is setting a date to finally open after more than seven years of planning and building. Resorts World Las Vegas will open June 24th and begin taking reservations for more than 3,500 rooms at its three Hilton branded hotels. Along with their opening dates, Resorts World Las Vegas confirmed its headliner entertainment that features Celine Dion, Carrie Underwood, Katy Perry, Luke Bryan, Kisto, and Zed. Road to the NFR World Standing Leaders have been consistent throughout the month of April, except for the barrel racing with Shelly Morgan from Estrus, Texas, moving into the top spot. Here are the rest of the leaders. Bareback riding, Tilden Hooper. Steer wrestling, Jacob Talley. Team roping, header, Eric Rogers and healer, Peyton Bray. Saddle bronc rider, rider right, tie down, Shane Hanchi. Bull riding, Colton Fritzland. And in the all around is Stetson Wright. There's only one NFR. There's only one Vegas. In Las Vegas, December can only mean one thing. The Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. The NFR is the culmination for the top contestants in the world seeking to share the $10 million purse and the coveted gold buckle. For fans, Las Vegas transforms into the greatest Western party in the world with the NFR experience, which features Cowboy Christmas, the Junior World Finals, nonstop entertainment, custom viewing parties, and so much more. 
Follow all the action at nfrexperience.com. Great moments, great champions, great memories. There's only one NFR. There is only one Vegas. Hi, I'm Fred Whitfield, eight-time world champion, and this is NFR Extra. While many bull riders feed off adrenaline rush schedules and lifestyles, steadiness seems to suit Joe Frost. Joe knows how to win. The five-time NFR qualifier is the first and only cowboy in history to earn the triple crown of national championship titles. He entered the professional rodeo world as a promising young bull rider with a national junior high school title, a national high school rodeo championship, and college rodeos top bull riding honor. He hails from a long line of pro rodeo athletes named Frost, and his mantle is littered with buckles and awards, including the coveted Bill Linderman Memorial Award, which is presented yearly to the leading cowboy with the minimum earnings of $1,000 in three events. Joe Frost, welcome to NFR Extra, sir. How are you doing right now? No, doing pretty good. It's a little windy here in Utah, but I'm staying staying out of it in the cabin skid steer. Where are you at up there in Utah? Where exactly uh, are you located? Uh, nor- northeastern Utah, about 30 miles southwest of Vernal. Nice. Did you ever cross paths with Mr. Um, Casey Field or anybody like that? Not as much Casey. He lives a little further south. Uh, Ran Richard, they only live 20, 30 miles from here. And then and then Casey's brother, Shad. And in fact, when I was in high school growing up, Louie Field was driving truck right by the house. And he'd stop and help me get on bucking horses there when I was learning how to ride barebacks. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. A few years back, you experienced a lot of success early on in your career with the National High School Rodeo Bull Riding Championship. Utah is very serious in high school rodeo in general. How do you think that affected your approach to pro rodeo and your discipline? I, well, I look back to high school, junior high, high school rodeo. Uh, we have 30 rodeos in Utah and, and I didn't, I never did amateur rodeo. I went to a few, but, but you can count them on one hand. You know, we, I high school rodeoed and then I went to the PRCA right from there. And, and, and we took it dead serious. You know, I didn't go to football games and I didn't play other sports. I wrestled during the winter. You know, we take a three month break from rodeo anyway, due to the winter we practiced, we rope, rope calves, steer wrestled, rode bulls and bucking horses at five, six days a week. And then went to rodeo on the weekend. You know, it was, that was all I did and all I wanted to do. And then, you know, so it was a easy transition, I think from, from, how serious high school rodeo is in Utah to, to jumping right into the PRCA. In fact, I went my senior year, I went to Moab and Harriman's pro rodeos in between the last high school rodeo and our state finals and, and filled my permit. You know, when you're in college or high school and there's some people that are serious about it or kind of semi-serious about it, but then you get to this, the, the pro level. What is the, how is the difference when you're around individuals that, you know, you're, you're all going gunning for money and it's, you know, this is your career, things like that. And the difference of college and high school. I mean, was the comp, does that make sense? Kind of what I'm trying to get out of Oh yeah. Oh, exactly. You know, when you're in high school, you have a select few and, and you can tell them, you know, that are, that are doing it with the intention of, 
of getting to the next level and the next level after that, that, that have the mindset of doing that for a living. And then, you know, and then you have, have the kids that, that may go on and amateur rodeo a little on the weekends. Then there's a whole bunch that are just doing it and they're not going to go past high school rodeo. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's a basically doing something to stay out of trouble. It's just something that they're involved in. I remember at times in high school, I was, there were things that were frustrating to me because I, I, I looked at it as, this is a stepping stone. You know, this should be as much like pro rodeo as we can make it on the same note. You have people that that's not what it is to them. And and there's nothing wrong with that at all. It just, for me, it was very, uh, it was literally just a stepping stone to pro rodeo. And then when you get to pro rodeo, it's that you basically got two groups and, and it's the people that are trying to make the NFR and, and running a world title and those people are doing it for a living. And then you have people that are basically your circuit guys that are rodeoing, just rodeoing on the weekend. They've got a job uh, during the week. They go just do a couple rodeos on the weekends. But but even those people are serious because it's costing them money if if they don't take it serious. But there's there is a whole nother level of the people that are doing it for a living and and trying to make the NFR and that a lot of people, you know, outside don't don't understand the level of commitment that it takes. Yeah, I would imagine that once you do get to that realm, it feels pretty good because this is what you've been working at and you you know, you're all of a sudden with all these like minded individuals. Did they treat you a little different knowing that you were, you know, a young champion coming in, or was it just like, no, nah, it doesn't matter, man. You're you're here and you gotta earn every bit. <laughs> uh pretty much. You know, I, I think I, I had done well enough in, in high school and college and stuff that that a lot of them guys kinda knew who I was and, and they it made them more friendly to me, you know, just uh, they, they expected, I guess, expected something out of me, which, you know, may put a little weight on your shoulders. It more than anything makes you feel, I made me feel welcomed. Them guys knew who I was enough to say hi or, or ask if I needed help or, or willing to let me jump in and go to a rodeo with them or something. Well, just on namesake alone, I mean, you guys have got quite the heritage on that deal from, you know, having a cousin and and the crew that he ran with that elevated to the top of the ranks, uh, your grandfather, your uncle, uh, you entering into the program. And like you said, going from the high school ranks directly into PRCA, essentially, and your little brother kind of hot on your heels there. But what is the you know, like those guys that knew you by namesake and the ex- expectation that they'd have on you. So what did you put on yourself for maintaining the legacy of what the Frost name had with Rodeo? As far as, you know, I get asked that question a lot, you know, about maintaining the legacy of the Frost name and everything. But I don't, you know, for me, like I knew no different um, growing up. Like there's a, you know, everyone's seen the movie about how, how much Uncle Clyde expected out of Lane all the time. And, and there was a little bit of a relationship thing there that, that Hollywood skewed a little bit. But the, the fact of expecting your very best effort and expecting you to take your ability and make the most of it, you know, that's something that I grew up. You know, I, I don't think I, I put a lot of high expectations on myself, but but I do that with everything. And I did that you know, from the time I was little, I, you know, nothing I ever do or did, I didn't want to be the very best that I could be at it. And so I guess I don't know that I ever felt any, I don't know that I felt any expectations, you know, just from being who I was, it was more just a who I am. That's, I, I always wanted to do the best at what I could, whether it was school or 
whether I was wrestling or, or even farming, ranching, uh, being a father, husband, you know, I, everything I try to do, I always have tried to do the very best. I don't, I don't do anything just kind of, you know, anything that I get into, I just, you know, I have high expectations for myself because I work at things. I work hard at it. You know, that was probably what made me have higher expectations for myself for myself than anything was the amount of time and effort that I had put into to riding bulls and rope and, and rodeo in general, you know, I, thousands, thousands ahead, tens of thousands ahead of practice bulls and calves and steers that I'd been on before I ever even bought my PRCA card. You know, I had put a lot of time into it. And that's, I think that's where the expectations for me to do well came from more than anything. You're listening to NFR Extra with our guest, Joe Frost. Let's take a break. NFR Extra follows cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Brylan Bentley, and Steve Goder as we delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, Channel 147 on Sirius XM every Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, with a re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Hi, this is George Taylor, CEO of the PRCA, and you're listening to NFR Extra. Joe Frost is here on NFR Extra. Let's go back to your cousin, the people he rolled with, and the people that you looked up to. Um, I think I was reading that you... It's kind of funny you hear the word VHS tape, but you were watching um, you know, old school. We've talked about that with Brylan and what the... 20th century used to look like with you know rewinding and fast forwarding and hitting play and did you have access to the uh ty murray's the the tough edemans did you have access to those guys did you ever pick their brain to to add more to your hard work you know i talked about watching the 1985 classic bull rides of the nfr when i was a kid and and those were you know being lame being related to Lane, uh, watched a lot of videos him of him and the guys in that era, not necessarily the guys that were riding in the late nineties that when I was growing up, not that there weren't good bull riders then, but for, I think because of, of Lane and stuff, I, I tended to focus more on, on those guys, but I, I was really lucky. You know, I had access to some of the very best there was Donnie Gay, Denny Flynn, uh, Joe Beaver, Robert Bauer and Craig Latham, you know, and not all just bull riders, you know, those, there's something to be said that you can learn. I learned a lot from Robert and Craig and, and they were bronc riders, you know, and Joe Beaver, you know, Joe Beaver helped me more with my bull riding career than a lot of people know and more on the mental side of things, you know, he'd find me somewhere and, and talk to me and, and he'd just have a, a one line sentence or something that just would just help you change your mindset and, and get you through the rest of the season and get you where you wanted to be. Then whenever I, whenever I later on, I went to the PBR, I got to meet Ty Murray and Cody Lambert, got to visit with them a little bit more. Uh, but I, I would say, you know, of those guys, Denny Flynn, I talked to him all the time. You know, he, he helped me a lot throughout my career. Um, and, and Donnie Gay too, you know, them guys were, were always, Almost is like they just could tell what you needed to hear, you know, and I think that comes from from being there. What about your little brother, man? Josh is gosh dang, he's been doing good. You know, he's 
he's struggled through his career and with injuries mostly, you know, and, and those injuries were a direct correlation to, well, to getting bucked off, you know, um, he, there's nobody that's ever tried as hard on a regular basis. I mean, Josh, he was always, he was always small for his age and throughout high school and stuff, you know, he wanted to ride bulls and my dad held him back cause he was small, but he, you know, made him a deal that if you rode this certain practice bull twice or whatever, then he'd enter him in the high school rodeos, you know, and, and he'd never, he'd just hold on till his head hit the ground every time just because he, he just wanted to do it so bad and wanted to do well, but it, he didn't really develop uh, a sound riding technique. You know, his, the mechanics of his riding weren't, weren't solid. And so it got him in trouble a lot and, and he got hurt bad a few times. And over the last two years, he's worked extremely hard, you know, put in double time to, to get to riding correctly, boy, it's, it's paying off now. You know, last year he, he got hurt at Fort Worth and then uh, come back. And I think the last 45 days of the season, he, he won more money than, than anybody, you know, he went from 99th in the standings to, to 18th and then has started out the new year the same way, just riding and he's riding correctly now. And it's, you know, he's put a lot of time into the, and even into the mental side, you know, he's studied and worked, really hard and and it's paying off big time for him I, I couldn't be prouder of him you and Josh growing up you guys were all around athletes though correct me if I'm wrong but you competed in all events which is very rare I feel like today you kind of have like a handful of five guys that actually compete in multiple events how did that partake was that like a family thing where you all just knew to do it or how did that happen yeah you know uh, my granddad was a saddle bronc bareback rider, and I think that he's, if he was still alive, we'd probably ride both buck and horse events. But uh, we both tried riding bareback horses. I I done fairly well. I won a high school state title and made the college national finals. Um, but then then I retired. I just what it just wasn't as important to me. But we grew up. We rode calves and steer wrestled as much or more than we rode bulls growing up. Um, and we team roped a little here and there. Um, but, but we put a lot of emphasis on bull riding, calf roping, steer wrestling and, and both of us, uh, I'm pretty proud to say we both have won the Linderman award and, and that's a pretty, you know, a lot of people don't know what that is, but it's it, you know, in my mind, it's the true all around title because you've got to win a thousand dollars in three separate events and, you got to do it at opposite ends of the arena. One, you know, one event, one event, some on one side and and two on the other, however, which way you want to do it. But, and on all through college, you know, we, we competed in those events and team roped. My dad, my dad competed in all, all the event, everything but saddle bronc riding. And so I don't know, you know, we didn't never, I didn't really even start just focusing on the bull riding until, like 2016 or 17, you know, I was still competing in the timed events quite a bit, or I was, I guess I'd say participating. I, I, I wasn't putting, putting enough time into them to do, I guess, to make it worth my time. But, but I did, I do really enjoy the timed events and Josh still ropes calves a lot. You know, when he's home, he's roping calves every day and he would like to make the NFR and the calf roping someday. That's impressive. What so when you just far, started fo- focusing on just the bull riding is was that the push to the PBR side or what was the window that you saw to take that opportunity on? Um, for me, the deal with the PBR started 2018. I got married in August of 2017, 
And I had at that point in time, I had 150 head of cows and, and I'm a homebody. I like being home. I always have, you know, all, all the time I was rodeo and I, I'd done better if I'd come home for two or three days, as opposed, you know, in between rodeos, get having a wife at home, having some responsibilities, you know, and, and my dad and they took care, would take care of it when I'm gone. But, but uh, things that I enjoyed doing, um, 2018 was hard being gone as much as I was, um, just knowing that with the PBR, there's an opportunity to make quite a bit of money and be home for three, four, five days a week. And so for me, that was probably a big push to it was the fact that I could make as much or more money and be home more. That's appealing. That's nice. Hell yeah. But when you say homebody, I mean, you're not just home, man. I mean, like that's the difference with the cowboy universe. I can tell Steve's been working today because just looking at him. But what does homebody consist of when you're at home? Oh, well, I guess it ain't a cat, cat not a couch potato homebody. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I get, get up in the morning, go take care of, you know, what? right now we're calving. So I get up and go, go check cows that are calving and uh, tag calves and then go load the trailer full of hay and haul it out and feed them. And then we're getting wheel lines and, and pivots going, irrigating. I'm doing some remodeling here. I'm building a little arena in our backyard. And I've also started training dogs. So I, I just go all day long here at home. And that's, I enjoy that. You know, I've always been be, being on the road. A lot of the time drove me nuts. You know, I'd wake up at five, six, seven o'clock in the morning and you're the only one up. <laughs> and, and it's like, there's really nothing to do. You know, I, I have so much fun being home working that I don't need, feel like I need a vacation. It's, it's vacation for me to just get to wake up and work all day. What got you into the dog training? A big part of the dog, we got, we run a cows on a lease up in, uh, six miles from here and just south of the town Ramblet. But uh, there's a lot of trees and stuff. And we'd had, my Josh and I had had heck up there gathering cows out of the trees at times. And, and one time he's like, man, you really ought to get into, get us some good dogs. And I had a buddy that had some Kelpies and I, I traded him. My wife raises cockapoos. And so I traded him a Kelpie for a cockapoo. And in hindsight, like the Kelpie was just okay, but he was a good first dog, you know. Um, he didn't have really enough power to move cattle, but he was he was useful. I kind it's really addicting. And I started buying border collie puppies. I got before long I had 12, 13 dogs, and then I started taking, went to a couple clinics learn how to train them better and, and started taking outside dogs, training dogs for other people. And it's still, still doing that. I, I've got like 20 dogs over there right now. It's a lot of fun. It's something I've always, my whole life, I've always had a hobby. You know, I, I was braiding bull ropes for a while and then I was doing leather work and I've even painted for and drew for a while. You know, I've always had little things, built spurs, but I never found anything that I actually like made, was making money at. And these dogs, I, you know, I, they're so much fun. I get to be outside and it works right. It works with the cows. I, you know, I can take a couple dogs, go move some cows. You know, I, it ties in really good to that. And I was able to start making money at it pretty quickly after getting into it. I don't know. It's something I just fell in love with. And I've always liked dogs, but my whole life, I never had a dog that I could get to do anything I wanted it to do just learned so much now that it's like it's like speaking another language to them and i've got a couple that are literally aside from my wife and daughter they're, they're like my best friend you know it's like we know what each other's thinking this is nfr extra and our guest today 
Joe Frost. We will return after the break. Welcome to NFR 360, where the NFR experience comes to life. This portal transports you to an immersive visual experience, encapsulating the stories and history of the NFR experience. NFR 360 is a collection of newly produced and historical digital content filled with stories about current and legendary contestants, the inside scoop on all the elements of how you experience the National Finals Rodeo, and inside tips that will improve your experience during the NFR 365 days a year. Hello, everyone. It is Jordan Tierney, Miss Rodeo America 2020 and 2021, joining you on NFR Extra. Five-time NFR qualifier Joe Frost is here on NFR Extra. I want to talk about your NFR career. I'm just going to rattle off here. This is probably like a six-year, five-year run. You finish second, sixth, fourth, fourth third in the world i mean and this is bull riding you're grazing that fit top five for a good amount of years which i mean man the the toll it takes on your body your mind everything and not walking away with that gold buckle right like that's that's a that's a tough pill to swallow i mean i think of other sports you know like teams making it all the way to the super bowl and just coming up short right and then you you never see them again right just it doesn't happen what have you done in that run to sustain that kind of success. I know you're not getting the gold buckle, but man, making the NFR a number one, that's a big check mark. But then to, to do what you did, that fifth area, the, the, the top five spots, what'd you do, man, to keep that going, Joe? I mean, that's not easy. In 2013 was actually my rookie year. And I just missed making the NFR by, I don't know, $10,000 or give or take. But, uh, and then 2014, I made it. And I had, I worked hard that year. Uh, had to overcome some some stuff to get mental stuff, you know. And for me, it was more of, you know, my whole life I dreamed of riding bulls at the NFR and and actually not being scared to let that dream come true, I think was a big part of it. You know, just it gets so close and then just, you know, it's almost like I just was holding myself back, but finally broke through the ice and and made it and uh you know, I think I made it 11th and I don't know where I came in. I think one year I went in there sitting second, but every other year I, I was, I was down the pack of ways um, and then rode well enough at the finals. You know, I, I was blessed, always had a good finals, um, but I, I worked hard. I, I'd come home the end of September and I would take most of October off. I would just try to watch what I ate. Um, maybe get on a couple practice pulls and then go to the circuit finals the end of October. And then after that, I'd get serious and I'd ride one or two bulls every single day for, th- for 30 days in, in November and worked out every day, um, was on a pretty strict diet. Just, you know, I, I always tried to picture myself like Rocky going to fight the Russian. And that <laughs> we didn't have snow most of the time. We did buck some bulls in the <laughs> before I went down there. But um, I just I just trained as hard as I could to make sure that I was physically and mentally ready for the most 10 strenuous days. And and you know, everybody talks about oh how sore you're gonna be from riding bulls. Um, and I think a guy would if he wasn't in riding shape, but the biggest strain is you go down there. And you sign autographs for 
for five, six hours a day. And then you load up and go to the rodeo and then you're out till 10, 11, 12 o'clock at, at least and wake up and do it all again. And that's 10 days in a row and it's just nonstop and everybody wants to talk to you. And, and you, you know, you're not, it ain't just a vacation in Vegas where you get to go ride bulls. It's, it's a business trip and it's strenuous. Um, but I, I made sure I was in as good a physical shape as I could be in. And I think that helped me mentally more than anything. Um, just being able to handle those 10 days, knowing how prepared that I was for it. And I always, you know, that I think the last year I went maybe was the worst I ever had it physically. I got hung up and slung around in the second or third round. Um, and then had a bull hit me in the chin and, and put a bad kink in my neck. I had to go get a massage every morning just so I could turn my head. But, you know, I, I think how bad would those things have been had I not been in top physical condition to go on and ride the next night and, and, and keep going. You know, that's one thing I do know when you're in shape, you it's like your your muscles are more elastic. They don't you get you get hit or something or stepped on you you bounce back faster you know it, it you don't bruise as bad it seemed like and so I just I took as as many precautions as I could to make sure that I was in as good a shape as I could be in and and I wrote I think a big part of what helped me to ride well at the NFR you know even better than I did during the year most of the time was the fact that I I was getting on and I didn't get on high level practice bulls. I got on bulls that I could ride blindfolded, you know, they, they were not hard to ride, but I practiced riding perfect. My body was, was so used to being in perfect position that it was easy for it to find it when I got on, on bulls that really bucked. And I think that was, and, and that was something that Denny Flynn told me to do. You know, and, and I done it every year before I went and, and I do, I credit that to a lot of my success at the finals. Did, man, go back to your first NFR. Did you get hit? I could imagine this happens, but did it, did you get hit with a lot of the lane frost questions? Like, I mean, did, did it get a little crazy with that or did they not, did that something? Not- you know, I, I mean, I don't think any more than, than what I ever had, you know, because the people in the rodeo world knew me long before I went to my first NFR and, and and the people standing in the autograph line the level of that never did change you know it you get it a lot i i said this on another podcast a while ago back but i said it's not it's not really something that bothers me that much you know it's (laughs) at the time the tiger king movie had came out you know or on netflix and and i said it's not like they're they're wanting to know about your cousin the tiger king it's it's Lane Frost, so it's not that bad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> That's seven hours of my life that I'm never going to get back. No. <laughs> so with the retirement aspect of it, you've always maintained the ranching side. You've always had kind of a little hobby. You're still doing all of that, but now that you're venturing out into kind of the the retirement side, what are you going to do to appease the competitive side of your personality i've been um i've been in her dog trials cow dog trials you know and it's been it's it's pretty it 
it doesn't sound that exciting, but you know, it's, it's, it's the competition and they'll have three head of cows that they kick out in the arena and you, you have to send your dog around them and they'll have a spot, you know, there's this place where you can stand and you have to use your dog to move those cattle through different obstacles. And then it's timed, but you have to get your points at each obstacle before you move on to the next obstacle. So you're, it's, there's, and there's so many aspects to it because it looked easy. I, I didn't think it would be hard, you know, but, but you have to pay attention to your dog, the cows, the obstacle and yourself in correlation to all that, because you're, a, you know, you, you can affect those cattle, you can affect your dog. Um, there's so many things going on that you have to control all at once, um, to be successful. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've really, really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to, to doing more of it here in the near future. I've actually got qualified for the mountain States national finals in July. So it'll be my first time going to that. I'm pretty excited. Have you ever heard of road deer of the road deer dog trials? Have you done any yes, of those? Yes, I have. So when you're doing the regular dog trials, are, are you just standing, standing or are you via horseback on those? Like you said, these, in the spot. So these ones are just uh, on foot that I've yeah. been doing. Um, and there, you know, it's basically all the dog doing the work. There's very, you don't get to help the dog very much. So that would be probably the difference of that and the road deers. The road deers, they, you're a horseback and, and you and the dog work together the whole time. Yeah. Final break before we finish our conversation with Joe Frost. Every December, the eyes of the rodeo world are on the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, the world's richest and most prestigious rodeo. And now you can follow the NFR all year long at nfrexperience.com. You'll find information on Cowboy Christmas and the Junior World Finals, unique blogs and content, access to NFR Extra, and much more. With the Stay in the Loop Club, you'll also have a chance to win a trip for two to Las Vegas 2021 for the world's greatest rodeo. Don't get left in the dust. Stay in the loop, stay in the know, and win at nfrexperience.com. This is Shane Miner, and you're joining me on NFR Extra. NFR Extra with professional bull rider Joe Frost. You've had injuries, and wicked ones too, almost like Groundhog Day-ish, if you will. Um, And then dealing with blood clots, which, I mean... Mix all that together, man. That's some 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 tricky stuff. You got to jump in and out. Like, you know what? Can you share with us some of these injuries you've had that now led to the point of where you know the the blood clots are leading to something that, unfortunately, man, has got to, well, get more into dogs and less into riding bulls. Yeah. Um. So the blood clot deal started when I was in high school. Um. I got stepped on by a bull. And I was in, a, I was at a jackpot before a high school rodeo and bull stepped on the inside of my thigh and big, deep bruise, you know, and I, I rode my bull the next day, or I rode my bull in the short round that night. And then I, I high school rodeoed for two days, went home, went to wrestling practice all week. And boy, the back of my knee had gotten really tight that week. I remember it just like, I just couldn't stretch it enough you know and it just cramp up well I went to a wrestling tournament that weekend and uh boy I was sick you know like I didn't do well and I just felt like I felt like I was completely out of shape you know I'd be winded within the first 30 seconds 
And I just remember my dad was just disgusted because I just performed so poorly. And, you know, in hindsight, he was probably just thinking I just wasn't even trying, which looking back, I'm sure that's what it looked like. But boy, I was sick. And I ended up getting beat out of the tournament. My dad just went home. He was one of the coaches, but he had stuff to, stuff to take care of at home. And he left. Well, the next morning I woke up and my calf on my left leg was swelled up, thing there like a basketball. Mm. It was big. And I called my dad. I'm like, hey, you know, we probably ought to go to the hospital. I said, there's something wrong with my leg. He goes, oh, well, you come home tomorrow. We'll work you all day. You can work the soreness out of it. And we'll go in on Monday. So he had me dig the cattle guards out with a shovel, you know, like I had work, worked all day. And I, every five, 10 minutes, I'd be short of breath and just had to sit down. We go in there and that doctor goes, looks at it and he's like, he says, I don't know a lot, but he said, I'm going to send you for an ultrasound. This looks like a blood clot. Go in there and sure enough, you know, it was clotted off. So they put me on, on blood thinners, which at that time was the Coumadin and basically rat poison and I was on them for and they thought well after uh three months being as young as I was it would clear out well they checked me at three months and it hadn't so I ended up going the full six months on them at that point it was cleared out and good to go so that was 2008 and um then again in 2016 at Houston I had a bull step on me same exact location on the other leg and that was in the, gosh, what was that? That was in the, might've been in the semifinals. And then I went down to Mercedes and, and got on there at the extreme bulls and then came back to Houston and boy, like I just, that leg was so sore and right where I just, I, I had it in the back of my mind. I'm like, this is way too similar, you know? And I got on there and rode, rode the last rest of the bulls at Houston. And then I had a few days off before I went to Austin and I, I drove up to Kylie's place, which my wife wasn't my wife then, but uh, she was at college in Oklahoma and I was just hanging out there for a few days. And I was like, I just, it was like, it was way too similar to the one I'd had eight years before that. And then I called my dad and I'm like, I think I'm going to turn out Austin and just come home and get an ultrasound. I said, I don't, my legs are sore. I ain't, I know I ain't going to ride very good. And if this is a blood clot, I want to catch it early. And so I went in sure enough. Well, I ended up going after found out there was a blood clot in there. I went out and seen a specialist out in Salt Lake. And she basically said, Oh, you've had two blood clots. You need to be on lifetime blood thinners. Anytime you have two, we just put you on lifetime blood thinners. You know, your bull riding career is done. And I'm like, no, like this was just, like, I just got stepped on just right. Like, if that would have happened to anybody, it would have happened, you know, they would have, they would have clawed up just like I did, you know? And so anyway, I'm like, whatever. I take the blood thinners for the three months, get an ultrasound, get cleared to go, go back to riding. Well, and she told me, she's like, what happens is, is it gets like, it gets worse. The next time you get them, you're not going to have to get a deep bruise that's going to, you know, tear that vein or be something she's like you're gonna sit on an airplane too long or you're you know you're just gonna lack of physical activity for any period of time something's gonna happen and i'm like you know i just didn't i'm like no i'm it had it's just coincidental but anyway so this last time that i got him 
I broke my leg in Houston at the PBR and they went in, put a rod in it, fixed it. I took two and a half months off to let that bone heal, come back to the PBR finals. In the second round, I'd got bucked off and I was crawling away and that bull stepped on my spur. So it twisted, twisted my ankle over, you know, just 90 degrees, but it spiral fractured that same, it's a, it was the same bone, but it spiraled that bone all around the rod, which kind of a crazy deal and it hurt way it was way more painful than when it was broke without a rod in it when it was just flopping it was not as bad as it was the second time Uh but after that second time i sat you know i couldn't it was so sore i couldn't wiggle my toes you know i i was just like sit there and don't move because it just was it was so painful um but anyway my wife and i was at a farm bureau convention and this was about 10 days after I broke my leg and I was on crutches and I had the walking boot, but I wasn't really walking on it, but the back of my knee was getting tight just like that. Those other times that I had them clots. And I'm like, man, I think I got a blood clot in there. And we went in, got an ultrasound. Sure enough, it had clotted up from the middle of my thigh down to my ankle. And, um, in hindsight, I probably should have been on when I had, they'd have probably put me on blood thinners for the, for a couple of weeks, you know, but I, where I never went to the hospital, we just was in the sports medicine room and Tandy Freeman's like, well, bad news is your legs broke, but the good news is it's already got the rod that we'd put in there in it. So just rest up till it heals. And so it never even crossed my mind. You know, you go to the hospital and they want to know if you've had history of blood clots or history of heart problems or whatever. And so you, you always tell them, but you know, I basically sitting there with my sports medicine guys that and we didn't even, didn't even feel like I went to the doctor, I guess. So I never did really, I just never even mentioned that or, and didn't cross Tandy's mind either, you know, and he was pretty upset about it later when he realized that, you know, we'd missed that. But, but anyway, so, I'm thinking no problem. Three months on blood thinners, the clots will be gone. I'll be back, back to riding and back on the road. Well, I go in at three months and clots are still there. And this, at this point, this starts crossing my mind. Like, okay, four years ago, I had a lady tell me that it was going to get worse. And I told her now, whatever. So I'm like, okay, no big deal. 30 days. They'll be gone. They was going to check me every 30 days after three months and I'd go, go in and they'd still be there. And they're like, probably better go another month. And I went, gosh, what did I go? I think I went six or seven months before I finally, I called Dr. Pepper Murray in Bountiful, Utah is a really good sports orthopedic surgeon guy and really understands rodeo and bull riding and, and, and just gets it, you know, he's the, if, if you, if you're a bull rider, that's who you want to go see or any rodeo athlete for that matter. But, um, I called him and told him what was going on. And I'm like, do you got, and he's got a team of specialists there in his office, you know, and I said, I need to see somebody that can help me. And he's like, okay. He said, I'll, I'll text you this lady's number and I'm going to talk to her and let her do some research. And then you can come meet with her. And I went out to see this lady that I guess she deals with, with other sports that 
have, you know, she has like soccer players and football players and basketball players and stuff that, that are, that are on blood thinners that have, uh, clotting issues. And, but what they do is those guys will, they'll take blood thinners, you know, say a football player, he'll take blood thinners all week and he just won't practice no contact. You know, he'll practice catching the ball and running the ball and dodging or whatever they do in football. And then before the game for two days, he'll go off blood thinners. So they do an intermittent dosage deal. He'll go off of them. He'll stay active while he's off of them. And then he'll play in his game. And then when the game's over, he'll go back on the blood thinners. And then he'll just practice light for the week. Well, the problem with that for me, you know, so here's, I have, to, you have to be on, because riding a plane or sitting in the car, that's a big time when you can clot up, like when you're, when you're sitting stagnant. So you got to be on the blood thinners while you travel. So say I had a two-day PBR event. I would have to show up there. If it started on Saturday, I'd need to show up there on when, by Wednesday night so I can go off the blood thinners for 48 hours and then ride bulls for two days, go on the blood thinners, wait another 24 hours or whatever it is till you can fly again and fly home. But at that point, I need to fly to the next one. Anyways, it just, it wasn't, it didn't sound like a very good option for me. And then that also, you know, it cuts, basically cuts practicing out of the deal because you, the problem with the blood thinners is you're at a high risk for internal injuries. Mm. You know, you get, or brain bleed, those kind of things, you know, and they can't, your body won't clot off, you know, clotting. We need clotting to stop the bleeding. Our body does it. It's a, it's a good thing, but then you also, if it does it too much or, or if it's too clots too easy, you know, then you just sit too long and your, your blood can clot up. So it's a kind of a double edged sword, but you know, so going off the blood thinners, then I'm at a risk for clotting. And I, I do believe the lady, they do get worse. Cause this last one I had, boy, my whole leg clotted up and, and seven months and they still hadn't cleared out. So it's kind of like, okay, now, now I'm on, on the blood thinners as a preventative measure um, to prevent any clots from forming. I was just thinking about those blood clots. And this is actually talking to people like Casey Field who actually had the, um, the, ba- the, the brain bleed with his kick a few years ago. And I started to think of like how much you guys are, I mean, while it's unfortunate, even for how Tandy, Dr. Tandy gets to see things, I mean, you're actually helping people out as we go forward with, you know, information and how to stay ahead of things and, and allow Cowboys to live a healthy life. Cause I'm just guessing, man, and, you know, some interviews we've had with some old school guys back in the seventies, sixties. I mean, you probably, I'm not being morbid here, but you probably go die, man. Cause you're like, Oh, I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just, just roll with it. And then you die on a plane or you die just randomly and things like it's just, yeah, it's just like my dad. Yeah, dig these cattle guards out, you know, and then yeah. would go in. And he's like, "Oh, jeez, <laughs> well, I can't believe I made you do that," you know. <laughs> but you know, and it has. I mean, there's been I've had I've had people ask me, you know, bull riding friends and stuff that have been stepped on, or, or so I'm like, you know, just go go in, go get it, go get an ultrasound, go yeah. get it checked out because because it dang sure could be. 
that's the difference though now between like the modern the more modern professional cowboy athletes that train and work out and work towards it versus you know back in the 70s if copenhagen and coors original banquet couldn't fix it like <laughs> no. you might as well just lay down anyways yeah well that's you know and 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 your body is your number one tool and you gotta take care of it so you've dealt with the blood clotting you've dealt with the injuries of rodeo but if you had one fear greatest fear weirdest fear what would it be oh i mean i'm i'm pretty scared of snakes but uh honestly i mean basically just anything you know i got a wife and a little girl and i just you know you know i just don't want nothing to happen to them and nothing bad you know i i just want them everything them to always be okay i guess Uh, that's a typical answer actually (laughs) well it kind of is that would be snakes the snakes is (laughs) a lot of cowboys apparently have a problem with snakes yeah i don't want nothing to do with them (laughs) I, yeah. I imagine you come across them up there in Utah, right? Yeah, I come across them every once in a while, and and it don't. We don't have a lot of rattlesnakes, um, but you know, water snake, garden snake, it don't matter. Bull snake, they're all the same. They're all just as creepy. I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. <laughs> man, well, Joe, this was great having you on, man, and you know, it's. While we would have had you on the show at some point, I mean, we had to get you on and talk about, you know, this decision to to pull out of bull riding because, man, you're 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 perfect for the for the bull riding industry, rodeo industry. So it's unfortunate, but man, oh. the good thing is you get to enjoy your family, and you, I mean, you get to be a homebody on the ranch. Yep, yep. Well, I sure i I really enjoyed my my entire career and all the people that I met, and it was. Uh, it was something a lot of people don't get to go and do. And I'm truly grateful for getting to do what I got to do for a long time. And I guess now I finally have to grow up. <laughs> That's not true at all. Yeah. Negative. <laughs> no, it's all good. But man, I, uh, we thank you for taking the time coming on, hanging out with us, man. It was good to get to know you here. This is uh, you're a good dude. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I sure appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Desperados, last call. I haven't been this excited for 21 since I myself was 20. <laughs> because all of this just... It, it yeah. is last call. The only problem is we're sober. <laughs> exactly. Let's do this. <laughs> all right, friends. This is Steve Goder joining me right now, my good buddy, Andy Seiler. What's shaking, my man? It's nice to be around goal-oriented people. And when you're around people that continuously challenge you, you think about doing things at the highest level. Well, what happens when you reach that highest level? Are you ready for the interview that comes with it or the aftermath? So, for instance, if you were selected to be Mr. Universe, what would your message be after, you know, you walk on stage, get your sash, and uh, what do they give Mr. Universe? They don't give them flowers. So, I, I mean, like a jerky stick? What Are we thinking about, like, the Mr. Universe workout, Mr. Universes? I mean, what would... You know, there's always like, oh, world peace, or what would your message be? I don't think that there's a mister that, though. Like, the only thing they celebrate with that is, like, the miss. So you got to go for, like, the miss world deal. I'm not wearing a dress. I'm No, I mean, the bikini, I can't pull off. I <laughs>
I don't want to envision that. Yeah. What's your message for crying out loud? Man, you know, I'd say if you're not cheating, you're not trying would be Ooh. kind of the direction I'm going. So you wouldn't you wouldn't pass the, the no urine test? <laughs> Hold no accountability to yourself. <laughs> I would yeah, I would I would uh, you know, if you ain't first, you're last. That's in the words That's of a good one. great Ricky Bobby. Uh, well, listen, I, I love Will Ferrell. <laughs> if we're talking Hollywood actors, I this is a mantra that I try to live by. And it's, it was my senior quote from high school, and it's still one of my favorites of all times. And it's a line from John Wayne. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyways. Yeah. I like the one where he says, I'm not going to hit you, and punch <laughs> the guy in the face. <laughs> was that Rooster Cogbird? Mm. <laughs> don't hit me. Don't. I ain't going to hit you. Please don't hit me. I ain't going to hit you. Don't hit me. Oh, fuck the hell I ain't. That's good stuff. Now, I, I think another good message, one that I've heard here recently that I've I've tried to kind of model my life after, and I, I truly believe in it, is you are what your kids say you are. Yeah. And, and I think that's a pretty powerful message because at the end of the day, if you choose to have kids, it's also your job to raise the next generation to take care of the next generation. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's that's a powerful message to me is you are who your kids say you are. Who do your kids say you are? Uh, most of the time, they... Call me dad, so yeah. I, I think that's a positive thing. They keep welcoming me home. That's good. Mine always say I had the last piece of dessert. Just <laughs> true, too. So I mean, <laughs> oh, in case they want to run for Mister or Miss Universe, I got to keep them honest. You know, yeah, yeah. Hey, don't quit working out. You better stop eating that. Yeah. So another thing is, you know, I don't have the dad bod, but I'm a father figure, so I've got the shape for that. You're the figure of a father the figure of a father so that's good i just I, I i don't know that i could ever be in a competition like that though mm. like i mean i don't mind having to step into a spotlight but being the center of attention yeah I, i'm that's not nobody's that's, got time for that no I, i'm i'm not really into that full-on yeah a big thank you to joe frost for visiting us on nfr extra Want to experience more of NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a big five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. Gotta make it out to Vegas, where the big boys roam. And the racers and the bulls and the browns and the ladies in the skin tight wrangers and the cowboys.